From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Chuck Quirmbach, filling in for Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Well, hi, J.R. We start on a sort of a somber note this week, uh, Milwaukee dealing with the death of a postal carrier being shot Friday afternoon as he was delivering mail, Andre Cross. It comes, though, as Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson and Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley are scheduled to head to Madison again this week, and public safety funding, I think, is one of the topics for them. This is not their first trip to Madison. What, in general, have Crowley and Johnson been saying to state lawmakers in recent months? Basically, they, they need more money. That uh, state aid to local governments, often called shared revenue, has been flat or declining for years, and that to address things like public safety, especially with inflation kind of hitting people's pocketbooks, that they need more state aid, that we have this pot of money in Madison, projected to be $6.6 billion into this fiscal year, June 30th, with more revenue growth expected over the two years to follow, that some of that money should be diverted to local governments to help cover these costs. So they're kind of making this pitch again and again of, you know, give us more money. It's time. You have the resources now. You need to help us out to address these issues. And the Republican response so far has been what? Uh, we want to see some reforms first. Now, they haven't laid out exactly what that might be. Robin Voss has the Assembly Speaker, a Republican from Rochester. He has dropped some hints about things like, well, you know, they've been pushing for local governments to, you know, put more resources toward uh, law enforcement, things like that. They want to see something that makes them feel better about, you know, not just handing over more money to cities, especially, let's be honest, you know, Milwaukee has not exactly made a lot of friends in Madison lately with various things. I mean, whether it's justified or not, Republicans were quite unhappy with the kind of get out the vote effort by this private group that the city had kind of promoted a little bit. And there was a lawsuit by the state GOP over that. There's just this kind of sense of suspicion about Milwaukee from some Republican lawmakers. And it's shading the conversation a bit about whether Republicans want to do as locals ask. Now, you've heard locals, not just in Milwaukee, but other places asking for a long time for something like a local sales tax increase that they could divert toward law enforcement costs. I don't know if they're going to get to that point. What's been interesting is it's not just it's not just Milwaukee asking for more money. It's not just the biggest cities that are struggling with these costs. We're seeing more communities go to a referendum asking voters to raise property taxes to pay for more police officers, to pay for more firefighters. So it's, it's a, a wider issue than just with Milwaukee. And the, what the question is whether that will be enough to persuade Republican lawmakers to open the checkbook a little bit more for local governments. J.R., you've been following capital doings for decades. Uh, what does it boil down to at the end of the or somewhere in the budget process? What do things boil down to? Is it who has the better lobbyist or what do you think? Well, it's what's the priority? Uh, we've seen the last couple budgets with Republicans and lawmakers and Democratic Governor Tony E versus standoff over how much to put into education and how much to put into tax cuts. Uh, Republicans have made clear that their priority has been tax cuts over giving money to local governments for more state aid. Might that change? We'll see. Uh, Robin Voss and Devin Lemahue, the Senate Majority Leader, have been talking about transformational tax changes in Wisconsin. Uh, they want to lower, for example, the top tax bracket, uh, which is 7.65% 
I believe for married couples filing jointly, that's around three hundred seventy-ish thousand dollars of income. That's when that level kicks in. Tony Evers does not want to lower taxes on people with income above that threshold, right? He's not in favor of that. So how do they reach a uh, an agreement on what the priorities are for Evers? It's been education. That's been a top one all along. He also wants to do tax cuts, but more targeted for the middle class and the lower rungs of the tax brackets. Republicans are in a different spots. So in the end, it's what's your priority? There's often a saying in Madison about, show me your budget and I'll show your priorities. And the priorities have been different the last few budgets for Evers and Republican lawmakers. Well, and while Robin Voss is certainly a big player in Republican circles, he's not the only one. And there was some news on that front over the weekend in terms of a new uh, leader for the state GOP. Uh, who is it and how was he chosen? Uh, Brian Schimming, he's been a longtime party activist. The executive committee met on Saturday up in Stevens Point. He nationally elected him chair. Um, wasn't a huge surprise. He'd been collecting support for a while. I reported late last week that three people who were, were kind of looking at a bid for state party chair decided against it uh, late last week. Ben Volkel's one, who's been an aide to Ron Johnson. Jesse Garza, who has uh, been on the state party's executive committee. Terry Dietrich, Waukesha County GOP chair. They all said it wasn't the right time for them. It also was clear that people have been coalescing around Brian. Now, the big change is going to be they're going to pay him to do this job. It has been a volunteer position pretty much for all of modern history. And when you think about it, being state chair is more about being in an arms race, constantly dialing for dollars, trying to raise money. Uh, Brad Courtney did it for eight years under Scott Walker uh, when Walker was governor. Courtney had a job that he was in the car a lot, and it was easier to you know make calls to donors because he had time between you know stops. These other chairs, we now are going to be on the fourth chair for the party in about three years. They're not in the same position to be able to dedicate that much time to you know these these responsibilities. So it's going to be interesting to watch what goes, you know, what kind of goes on going forward here, and uh, how Shimming is able to, if he can, close the fundraising gap. Ben Wickler is a state party chair for Democrats. He is, but not a phenomenal fundraiser. Um, it's going to be a challenge for them to catch up in a short period of time because the state Supreme Court race is on the April ballot. That is the big race coming up, and both parties will be fully invested in it. Can Republicans close the gap in just a few short months to try and be at parity with Democrats in a very, very important Supreme Court race? And as you noted a few weeks ago, uh, Wickler has been paid all along. Yes, he is paid, and he's at a you know, he's got connections nationally as a fundraiser from uh, his time with moveon.org. That is also well known in political circles that when you have the governor's office, your party does, it's easier to raise money. Add in that Wisconsin is a swing state in presidential elections. It's a perfect storm of fundraising for Democrats. Now, just a ways behind the Supreme Court race that's upcoming is the a state Senate district open seat where Alberta Darling, longtime Republican holder of the seat, has retired. Uh, there are now more candidates in the 8th race, including a Democrat. What's the latest there in the 8th district uh, east side of Milwaukee County and spilling into Waukesha and north and west? Well, we have a Democrat in the race, an attorney from Whitefish Bay. So really what people are focusing on is the Republican side because we have four candidates in, and that means a primary in February. Uh, Janelle Branch, a state lawmaker, Dan Canodal, a state lawmaker, among those running, Van Mobley, uh, Thienesville Village President. We have a student, Concordia University, who's in the race. What's really going to be interesting to watch is the dynamic of that crowded GOP field 
as more people get in, it splits the vote, right? You kind of lower the mark you have to hit to possibly win the nomination. That could be good for a candidate like Janelle Branchen, who has kind of alienated her assembly GOP colleagues. She's been barred from attending closed caucus anymore because they don't trust her. Um, she's been amplifying Donald Trump's false claims about the 2020 election for the last couple of years as chair of the campaign and elections committee. She's probably going to lose her spot as chair of that committee because Robin Voss has made clear that they don't see eye to eye on things anymore. But what I'm getting at is Ken Janelle with that, you know, kind of dedicated group of supporters who believe the things that Donald Trump says about the election. Can they, will they turn out for her in February and help her win that primary? Will Donald Trump endorse somebody in the primary? He's praised Janelle Branchen in various forums. Interesting to note that Van Mobley was one of the first elected officials in Wisconsin to endorse Trump back in for his 2016 presidential bid. Does that count for anything with Trump? Might he hold back because of that? Or does he remember that Van Mobley endorsed him? You know, things, things like that. It's really interesting to watch the influence of Donald Trump if there is one. Plus two, you know, this is a Republican district. It's not a swingy seat. But if you have a not great candidate who's out of step with voters on certain issues, you can have to open the door for a Democrat to win. And lo and behold, abortion was an issue on the ballot in November. It looks like it'll be on the ballot again this spring. Supreme Court race, I'm sure, is going to be a part of that. I'm sure Democrats will play up that issue in a Senate district. Suburban Milwaukee seat, the voters who were targeted by Democrats over the abortion issue just a month ago. I mean, you can see the formula for Democrats to win in a low turnout special election where, you know, it's uh, maybe a little easier to win that seat. And we should mention the Democrats' name, Jody habish Sinekin, uh, highly regarded in environmental circles as an attorney uh, for various uh, efforts uh, regarding the Wolf and Great Lakes and so on. So uh, she might be the only Democrat, but uh, we'll see on that. We believe she's going to have the ability to put some personal resources in, which never hurts as a candidate for, for public office, being able to kind of pull seed money in your campaign. So she, I think Democrats, my impression is, Deb Androck, the state representative from Whitefish Bay, that, that she was their top choice to run because she's run a campaign before. She's been through the ringer of a tough race, but they're fairly happy with letting Jody as their candidate for the seat, too. Okay, something to watch uh, in February and again in April, that 8th Senate district race. Uh, thanks very much, JR. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross of WISPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Chuck Kornbach. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.